So we're going to break down this beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We're going to look at both parts. First, let's look at pure in heart. This is a contrast to what people were used to. If you wanted to go and worship God in first century Palestine, right? You were to go, and you're going to go into Jerusalem, you have to be clean, ceremonially, ceremonially clean, cleansed. You had to wash your hands, you had to do certain things, abstain from certain things. There were laws, uh, purity laws, about how you, you had to be on the outside so that you could come to worship. And, and they knew that. And so the people who are hearing Jesus say this, understand that in order to, to come to God, you have to be clean. But he says the pure in heart, they're the ones who are going to come and see God. So who is pure of heart? The answer is no one. Purity of heart cannot be something that is achieved. It can't be by decorating the outside. Like if your house is falling apart, you know, just putting some paint on it and doing the landscaping isn't going to fix it, right? It's still going to fall apart, right? Because it needs some structural, you know, renovations. We need to have a renovation on the inside of our hearts. The heart is that, that, that center of who we are, of our being, that, that secret place. Our true selves, that is our inner person. And Jesus is always talking to that inner person, who we really are. And he says that we need to be purified on the inside. Matthew chapter 15, 18 and 20 says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Then earlier in Matthew 12, this is all the same book. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruits. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Okay, so what comes out of the mouth is what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. This comes from the heart. What comes out of the mouth, in other words, what the physical outward things that are seen, comes from inside of the heart. What is happening there? Who is he calling these brood of vipers? I love this verse, by the way. He's calling these people who are the religious people who think that they've got it all figured out. We're professional at cleansing on the outside. Look at us. We're so clean. Jesus says, yeah, but I see your heart. I know what's really happening. Listen to these words that God spoke to the prophet Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Isn't that true? We tend to see the outside and how people look on the outside, and that's how we judge that. But the Lord looks at the heart. Also, isn't it true how we try to keep our insides from showing? Right? We all know what's happening inside of our hearts. So let's be honest. You know the thoughts that you entertain, right? You know the bitterness that you're holding on to. You know the secret sins that you hope that no one will ever find out. We live exhausting lives trying to keep 
the insides secret, keep the curtains closed so no one will see. So when we hear that God doesn't look at the outside, but he looks at the heart, that can be kind of scary. You mean to tell me that God sees all of that? Yes. So how do we get a pure heart? Well, we'll come back to that later. Um, but first, let's look at the second part of this beatitude, that they will see God. This means that those who are pure in heart will actually be admitted into the presence of God. That's what it means. To be able to come in and worship him, right? They'll be able to come in and see him if being granted audience before the king. It's like, what if you got an invitation to appear before King Charles? I don't know what you think of the dude. Um, what an honor it would be to be invited into the presence of a king. And we are invited, those who have pure in heart, invited into the presence of the king of kings, the lord of the universe. And that's the idea here, that the pure in heart are granted access to God. This beatitude is actually tied to Psalm chapter 24. I'm going to read that to you. I'm sorry I don't have them on the screen for you, but you can just either look it up or trust me. Um, so let me read it to you. Psalm 24, 3 to 6. You look it up. Thank you. Good man. So you can look it up. Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6. Reading from the NIV. Okay. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. There are two aspects here of seeing God. The first is that we get to see God and be with him forever. This is heaven. This is admitted into his presence eternally, right? Being with God forever requires a heart that is made pure and righteous, but sin stands in the way. There's only one way to remove that, by receiving Jesus' sacrifice for our sin and having our hearts cleansed by him. When we do, we receive his righteousness, his purity for our impurity. It is based completely on his righteousness in our place that we actually have access to God eternally. That's part one. But there's another part of this, and that is enjoying God's presence today on earth. God is leading and speaking and directing his people. And he wants us to enjoy him, to enjoy him today. He wants us to be satisfied in him, to see him as our highest treasure and greatest joy, to hear his voice and his promptings. There's something that stands in the way of us hearing from God and enjoying him on earth, and it's sin. Sin stands in the way. Being pure in heart also means single-hearted. What I mean by that is that it's love and devotion for only one. Right? It's like in marriage. Purity in marriage is being faithful to one. Purity here is being faithful to God, exclusively loving him. He is our highest treasure. He is our greatest joy. He is the desire of my heart. And I love him only and above all else. And that's why part of Psalm 24 says that the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust an idol or swear to a false god, in other words, who is not swayed by other things in this world, other worships, other passions, 
but rather completely devoted to God. The one who is wholeheartedly devoted to God. That's what the name Caleb means. That's why we named him Caleb. Wholehearted devotion. Seeing God is not some future heaven thing. We are meant to enjoy him today right? and to want to be with him today. If we don't desire him today, what makes you think that's going to change in heaven? All of a sudden, it's like, oh, now I want to be with you, Jesus. It starts here, right? Wanting to be close to him. And the thing that keeps us back from seeing God in our lives today is impurity. So now let's talk about this purity thing. Remember at the beginning I told you about my plants that I planted and, and they looked good on the outside, but it actually had no roots and it died. Well, and as God said to Samuel, man looks at the outside, but I look at the heart. So we're going to put this to the test by looking at two biblical stories that I'm going to paraphrase. Um, you'll probably figure out who they are. Scene one, dramatic music. Camera pans in, right? It introduces you to this amazing couple at church, and they're just, they're just like these model, they're, they're, they're aspiring leaders. They do great things, they're always there. I mean, he's on the, the deacon's board, he, she's on the worship team, right? And they're just a part of this thing, and they're the type of people that you're just excited to have, right? And they are so filled with, you know, excitement that they sell their house, and they want to give everything to the poor, right? These are good people, really good people. Cut scene to another guy. He's a powerful leader, well-loved leader. One day, he was just, you know, tired. He's like, I'm, I'm just going to stay home from work today. And he stays home from work, and as he's in his living room, he lounge, lounging, he looks over, and he sees his neighbor's wife bathing. And even though he's happily married, he, he wants her, so he uses his power and his position to persuade her to come over so he can sleep with her. These are two true stories in the Bible. Okay? Now, you might already know who these stories are about, but on the outside, one is really good. One, one, this couple, right, we would agree, these are really good people. And the other dude, he's bad, right? We would all agree, hands down, this guy is not the person you want uh, in leadership, right? This guy's bad news. He's really unwise, right? So let's go to scene two. Scene two. It starts with this couple. They go and they sell their house and they take all the money and they're like, we're going to give this to... Uh, Pastor Pete, so he can distribute it to the poor. And uh, as they're going, they're like, you know, usually we give 10%, right? And we get to keep 90. What if we, what if we give 90% and we'll just keep 10%, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. It's still a lot of money. They can do whatever they want with it. So they take it to the church and, you know, first the husband Ananias goes and he comes up to Peter, the lead pastor, and he says, hey, hey, we wanted to give you this money. We sold our house and we brought all of it here. And uh, Ananias could have said, hey, you know what? We brought most of it. We kept some of it. It doesn't matter. It's, just, it's their money. They're not obligated to do anything. Um, this is all just from their heart. But Ananias says, yeah, this is all of it. We gave everything, 100%, everything here. Just a little white lie, right? We've all done that. Dramatic music. Okay, cut scene. Back to the other guy, Dave. After he took his neighbor's wife and got her pregnant, he knew he was in trouble. And he's freaking out. People are going to find out. 
So he tries to lie about it. He tries to cover it up. He can't. So eventually he kills his neighbor's wife, kills her husband. And now he's convinced no one can find out I'm safe. So let's just check back in again. Make sure we're still tracking. We've got this really good couple, aspiring leaders, right? Sold everything, gave most of it, right? Um, little white lie. That's okay. We've all been there. Um, and the other guy, Dave, this guy went from bad to worse. And we would call him B-A-D, right? Bad. This is a bad dude. Um, and if he was in our church, what would you do? <laughs> just thinking. How would you feel about him? Because one of the things that, that we believe is that everybody deserves love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Like, that's the heart of who we are. But let's say he's sitting beside you. Actually, what's going through your mind right now? This dude's bad news, right? Would you want to cast him out into bitter darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? Um, I mean, it would be justified. This dude, he's rotten. Commit adultery, commit a murder, right? Hmm. Would we despise him in our heart and pass judgment? I think we all would agree. So let's look at the last scene. A couple, Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias tells Peter that they gave him the whole amount. Here it is, all 100%. And Peter said, why, why would you lie? This money was yours. You didn't come and lie to me. You, you, you came here because you wanted everyone to see how good you were. And what you did is you lied to the Holy Spirit. And right then, he struck dead. And these men that were there dragged him out. Just as Ananias, or Sapphira, his wife, walks in. She's there for worship team practice. Um, she comes up, and, and Pastor Pete's like, okay, I, I just want to clarify something, because your husband was just here, and he said you brought all this money. I just wanted to ask you honestly, is this everything? It says it doesn't matter if you kept some of it. He just said it was everything. She said, oh, no, it's everything, 100%. We did not keep anything for ourselves. We gave everything to the poor because we're really great people. And right then she struck dead. Shock. I can't wait to see what happens to Dave, right? If the good couple just gets struck dead, let's see what happens to Dave. So we cut scene back to Dave. Dave thought he fooled everyone. He's sitting there and he is relieved, but he knows what's going on inside. But he thinks, okay, I'm safe. And then God tells this messenger this prophet named Nathan, what happened? So Nate comes up to David and says, David, I know what you did this summer. I know what you did. I know what you did. I know that you took her as your wife, and I know you killed her husband. What happens to Dave? And this is the thing that is just shocking. David falls on his face, and he weeps, and he's so filled with conviction. His heart was broken and sorrowful. And he poured out his heart and said, I am so sorry. God, would you forgive me for I have sinned against you? And God forgave David. There was a consequence. And it was a bitter consequence for David. It affected him, it affected him the rest of his life. His family was a mess. But God still forgave him. In fact, you know what God says about David in Acts 13.22? It says, God testified concerning him, David, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. 
outrageous. How? How can God let him go for adultery and murder and then kill someone for a little white lie? Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We judge the actions of a person, yet God knows what's going on on the inside. Here's the main difference. When Ananias and Sapphira were were confronted, they lied. They self-justified. They covered up their sins because they wanted to look good in front of people, but their hearts were really far from God. They just were all about themselves. Their hearts were wicked. When David was confronted, he fell on his face and his hands on his knees and he cried out to God for forgiveness because his heart was broken and he was repentant. Only one of these hearts receives forgiveness. By receiving forgiveness, it's cleansed and becomes pure. The heart that is sorry, the heart that repents. Purity of heart does not mean we never sin. Purity of heart means that when we do, we are immediately broken and we come before God and say, I am so sorry. I was wrong. Because that is a heart that wants to be with God, that wants nothing to be between them and God. It doesn't want to break God's heart by sinning. So let's look at our lives. When you and I are confronted with sin, how do we react? Maybe even do a quick survey for the last time that you were confronted or caught. What's the first thing that your heart does? Are you... No, it wasn't me. It was like my, my, all my kids. It wasn't me. It was, and they just pass it right down with the next sibling, right? Or when you're confronted, you say, I was wrong. This was wrong. Do we self-justify and shift the blame or even compare with others? Well, at least I didn't do what that person did, right? Uh, I think we all know we do that. We lie about it. We cover it up. Or are you filled with sorrow, broken and sorry for our sin? The Bible calls that word contrite. I love that word. It means to be really, really sorry on the inside and broken. We admit our mistake, we admit our guilt, and we ask God for his forgiveness. And then he gives it to us, and our hearts are purified. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. What does that mean? Well, here is the Tyler Jorgensen paraphrase version. You will not find this in your Bible. This is my paraphrase. Blessed is the one who calls out to God for forgiveness and then chooses to live their life following him because they will see and enjoy God, what he is doing today and forever. That's what it means. People whose hearts are so soft to him that we don't want anything to be standing between us, quick to say we're sorry, longing to follow and stay close to him because then we will see what God is doing now and forever. Purity of heart begins with coming to the only one who can make us pure. Coming to Jesus and just like David did, asking for forgiveness. As we wrap up, I want to read to you Psalm 51. If you don't know the story of David and Bathsheba, you can read about that. But this is, this is, which I just told you, but in Psalm chapter 51, this is the Psalm that he wrote And um, 
It says, uh, a little subtitle there, whatever you want to call it. It says, for the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet of Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So we know exactly what this psalm is about, right? The story I just told you. Psalm 51, I'm going to read this to you. Listen carefully to his heart, because this is the heart that God says is a heart after his own heart. David says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all of my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and you are justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David writes and asks God to purify his heart. Verse 10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. In other words, cleanse my heart from my sin and help me to walk with you in purity and righteousness. Keep me faithful to you. He says, I want to be right with you. I want to walk rightly. And this is the heart of the beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will be made right with God and can stand in his purity, his forgiveness, his mercy, his love, his grace, and therefore into his presence. Today and forever, we get to enjoy his presence. Purity of heart, like the other beatitudes, are not something that we do to earn heaven. It is a gift of God to those who want to be a part of his kingdom. There are two kingdoms that are battling inside of our hearts and inside of our lives. God's kingdom and the kingdom of the world. The purity of heart says, I choose Jesus, his values. I want him. Jesus says, Jesus, I don't deserve anything, but take my heart because I want you. So back to my plants at the beginning. See, we don't just want to be pretty, right, on the outside, but who are actually dead and broken on the inside with no roots. We want to have roots that go down deep into Jesus, into his source, into his love. There's an old hymn. It's a rare hymn. You've probably never heard it. It's called Blessed Are the Pure in Heart. It's written like... 1770-something. It's, it's, it's like 200 years old. Um, but there's a verse that says, in verse 3, it says, Still to the lowly soul, you know, the, the person who is humble, himself he will give, in part. For his dwelling and his throne chooses the pure in heart. And I love that. Because where 
does Jesus reign in his new kingdom? In the hearts and lives of those who put him first, who say, Jesus, would you sit on the throne of my heart? So Jesus, come, take my heart. Be enthroned here. I want to be close to you. I surrender everything I have to you. So happy, that's what blessed are. Happy are those whose hearts are right with God because they get to be with him and enjoy him. I just want to close this morning, you know, for all of us, uh, just a, a close in a prayer, um, just asking God to cleanse us. And, and I invite you, if you've never prayed a prayer, asking Jesus into your, to your life or asking that G, his, his gift of salvation is a free gift. All we have to do is believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that he was raised from the dead, right? And that he died for our sins. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to pray that. Even if you have, you're like, hey, today, Jesus, just cleanse me. I want to walk with you rightly. So if I would just bow our heads and you can, you can repeat after me out loud in your heart, whatever it is, but I'll just lead us in this prayer. Dear Jesus, I give you my heart. I am so sorry for trying to hide from you. Sorry for justifying my sin. Sorry for hardening my heart. Please forgive me. Create in me a pure heart. I choose you today. Give me your spirit so I can walk with you. I want to enjoy your presence today. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. Amen. Jesus, I just pray for each one of us in this room um, that our hearts would be soft to you. I pray that there would be a softening where there has been hardness. Jesus, we thank you that in you there is no condemnation. There is just the invitation to come close. There is just the invitation to come and lay everything down before your feet. So I pray for each one of us that, that we would walk in such a way that we would want to be close to you. Yes, we're going to trip. Yes, we're going to fall. Yes, we will make mistakes daily. And yet you are always there. Purity of heart doesn't mean perfection. It means that we want to be close to you, Jesus. So make our hearts soft to you, that we will be quick to say we are sorry. Jesus, forgive us for all those times when we are quick to make excuses rather than quick to say we're sorry. Jesus, do a work in our hearts. Do a work in my heart this morning. That as we go from this place, that we walk in that joy, because happy are the poles who are pure in heart. It is joyful to be in, in right standing with you. So I pray as we walk out of this, out today, that we would walk out in joy um, and assurance that we are with you. So I just pray for each person here. Bless them as we go from this place. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.